Wenn ich mich jetzt überlege, Astro will spend some time this afternoon, not very long, talking about the requirement three. Many of the principles I'm sure you're familiar with, but it's certainly in a new type of context. I have to walk here. I can, oh. if one is. It's okay. Nach no man, I'll do myself. I think it's actually switched off. Someone else needs to do it. Theatrical effect. All of us are familiar with the specification tree. Now, what I'm going to be talking about this evening is really a refinement of that, namely the requirements tree and the characteristics tree. Those turn out to be absolutely essential if you want to talk about traceability, if you want to talk about validation and verification, as I'll try to show. Here is an example of the specification tree. We started with the user requirements, stakeholders, and all of that stuff. Those are the originating requirements which drive the total system acquisition process. And then we look at some alternative concepts, operations concepts, technology concepts, and some more, and we model them, and we decide, no, it ain't going to work. And those that are successful get documented in the system specification. And then, of course, you cannot manufacture a system. You need to manufacture low-level components, and through a process of integration and assembly, you can end up with the system as a whole. So, if that's what manufacturing does, design should go exactly the other way around, top down. And that's exactly what happens, so we go to the next lower assembly, item development specifications, and more item development specifications, and more item development specifications, ending up with an item product spec, which is then the thing that we can actually manufacture. And then we need to integrate and assemble back to the system. That's the old specification tree, and there's nothing wrong with it. The problem is that in the 19, early 1980s, the software engineers started really thinking about software engineering. And as you know, systems engineering lags software engineering by 10, 20 years. They started worrying about requirements, the concept of a requirement, and also validation, verification of requirements. Traceability followed later. There was a lady in 1994, Ali Gokul, who got her PhD on traceability. Software. All of those are software people. The concept of requirement means that this specification tree is no longer good enough. We need to have a much finer resolution than a specification. A specification, after all, is a container of a large number of requirements. Maybe a thousand, maybe three thousand, who knows? And it's much too wide for us to be able to do anything seriously with it. Hence, we need the resolution of a single requirement. Here is an old definition, an old IEEE definition of a requirement, just to calibrate you. A requirement is a statement, just words, that identifies a product or process operational, functional, or design feature or constraint that is unambiguous, testable or measurable, necessary for product or process acceptability, either by the consumers or the QA people. They mention three things here, unambiguous, testable, measurable, we call that verifiable nowadays, and necessary. There are more, 
These are known as the requirements for a requirement. It should be implementation free, it should be concise, it should be clear, it should have a number of them. Um, so that's, yeah, that's what we need with requirement. It is essential that we understand the terminology. There's a requirement, and there are two types of requirement. Either a design to, or a build to. A design to is functional. Design this item to do this, that, or the other functional. But you cannot manufacture functions. You can't give a bunch of functions to the guy in the factory floor and get him to do something with it. We can only manufacture physical stuff. And that's a build to requirement. So both of those are requirements. And yes, we'll, we'll later on talk about some of those differences. The key point about a requirement is it's something in the future. Oops. It is a to be. It doesn't yet exist. Once we've manufactured it, we can actually check. But does it have the right mass, the right dimensions? And then it ain't no longer a requirement. It's a characteristic. And it's important to understand the difference. A characteristic is very simple as is. First of all, as built, and as it gets used uh, in as is. Don't confuse those two words, they're completely different. In the old days, systems engineering used to talk only about that. Now we've got that, and we need to honor the difference between that. Of course, a requirement doesn't start like that, it starts in somebody's head. That also needs a name, there's not a standard name, but the better one is probably an intention. Somebody thinks we should do that, but it needs a lot of other work to convert that to a requirement. Just terminology, it's important. Good. Just the definition of a characteristic. A quality characteristic is the physical as-is manifestation or embodiment of a to-be requirement. And that defines it pretty clearly. Uh, the term quality there is not really all that important, but for the sake of formality. When a characteristic fulfills its requirement, the associated one, it is known as conforming. If not, non-conforming. <coughs> Again, standard terminology. So, here is a version, a simple version of the famous V diagram. There are Dozens of versions of the V-diagram is something a unique concept. It's really a broad spectrum of things that more or less look like a V. If you've had some wine, it looks differently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we started with what um, ISO 15288 calls business, mission, or stakeholder requirement. Those are the originating requirements. It can either be a business requirement, one of the requirements for the next generation cell phone, or it can be mission required, military or space flight, or it can be just a stakeholder requirement, a regulator or a customer or a financier. And that those requirements are just showing one drive then the whole system process. From that we develop one or more system design to requirements through a process of derivation, some calculations. I go from one to the other one. Of course, there's a lot of modeling involved, 
but we need not go there. As we said before, you cannot manufacture a system, we need to break it up into next lower assemblies. According to 15288, that's an element. And of course, by the principle of a hierarchy, this element is a system in its own right, with its elements. System, and, and so we can go down however many layers we need. And that's also the derivation process. All of these are still functional. Then we go into the development process. The input are functional requirements, and the output are physical requirements, designed to and built to. You can't manufacture these, but you can manufacture these. So that's the conversion, and it's a very important one. Again, usually one to many. Development, and then of course we need to integrate and assemble it. And that's what you see there. By a development process, how do we take all of these elements as built one day and come up with a system built to requirement? And then we go to manufacturing. And I've just made those dashes. Manufacturing, we now have an element as built characteristic, hopefully conforming exactly to that. And we integrate and assemble that, and there's the system as built characteristic. And there you see a very simple, but quite useful version of the V diagram. How we go from functional requirements to development and then physical requirements and as built characteristics. Incidentally, if anybody wants to talk to me in between, please do so. You don't have to write until the end, sir. <coughs> Good. So, the terminology we we'll use is upstream and downstream, like a river. Fairly well known. And what is also useful at times is to talk about upstairs and downstairs. Because both of those are important. Good. So, let's talk through the process. There is a business or mission or stakeholder requirement. And that, through the process, we develop into a design to requirement number one for the system, exactly as we saw just now. And then, we can't do much with that, so we now decompose that, derive that, design that, and we have design to requirement one, 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 two, one, three, one, four, the four children of that one. And that is pretty good, but we still need to go a layer down, and we will now get the children of design to requirement 12, <coughs> one, two, one, one, two, two, one, two, three. A very stupid numbering method, but it's perfectly adequate for our purposes here. Don't do that in real life. <laughs> and then we develop this functional requirement into the built-to requirements. These three built-to requirements will give you, hopefully, that functional requirement. And now we need to go back up again. Those two, sorry, these two also running parallel. I'll just show you this one, obvious. And now we need to integrate and assemble that together, all of it to give you built to requirement 12, which hopefully corresponds to the functional requirement there. And one layer up, and we have the built to requirement of the system, which of course 
corresponds to the functional requirement for the same system. This is one thread, if you wish. If you look at all of these threads, you get the requirements too, but it's pretty big. But it is very useful to trace a thread like this and to discuss it. And then we go into manufacturing, and we end up, that's what the dashed lines are, su are supposed to be, you end up with the characteristic one, two, three, which is the characteristic of listing as both, not shown. There's one to two, which is those three together, and etc. And we need to integrate and assemble that, and we need to integrate and assemble that. And there is the characteristic number one in the system, which hopefully corresponds to or, or, or fulfills the built-in requirement of the system there, which in turn fulfills the functional requirement of the system there. And that's a reasonable example of a requirement stream. Note the requirements, but they're also characteristics. It's pointless just talking about to be stuff. We want to get real things. That's the characteristic. The first part is the, often known as the down. Oh, sorry, wrong button. So, down take of the requirement tree. Top down design, as you can see, top down with decomposed derived allocate processes. And there's the bottom of the requirement tree development process of the lowest layer elements, transforming functional requirements into built to requirements. And then we get the uplink of the requirement tree. Develop bottom-up, integrate and assemble processes because we want to end up there. And last but not least, we get the bottom of the characteristic tree, manufacture those lower layer elements, and then integrate and assemble them part of the characteristic tree. Who can make it so smart? Not worry. May I show you guys some Tom Martins? Yes. One day in the laboratory. And there is this poor guy. Just check him out. He's got pimples all over his face and he's got no social life. And here's, here's the doctor. He says, Eureka! He says, I have found a serum for the common pimple. Man, this is great. And he is very proud of himself. And he holds the secret mutu there in the test tube. And he liberally sprinkles it on that guy's head. He says, if this works, I'm a millionaire. Hey, man. And, ping, ping, ping. They start disappearing. Absolutely wonderful. And it speeds up. Ping, ping, ping. Man, this guy's getting, the, the, the man is, you know, the, the subject is getting very happy with this. And ping, perfectly clear. And ping. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason why we need to check out these requirements. <laughs> Good. The first thing we're going to do with this requ requirement screen is the issue of traceability. And 
There is our requirement of interest, designed to requirement 1, 2. We want to know, is this traceable? And there are two variations of traceability. The first one is tree down. Can you, from this requirement, tree down, derive those three requirements? It's tree down, and that's a good descriptive word for it. Can I ask a question? Yes, of course. But your thoughts, is it, are there any strict rules with regards to um, the, the decomposition of requirement that it has a single parent, or is it allowed in your mind that you can have, in some cases, multiple parents? I suspect, it is, it's an old issue, I suspect there would be cases where you could have many to one. Mm. But usually it's one to many and, and that's, the, that's the best way to learn about it. But surely, you know, you could trace this to other ones as well. So I wouldn't put that as an extremely hard requirement, but it's preferred. a common one. Yeah. I'm not even sure about the preferred one, but it's a common one for sure. Three down traceability. That's the requirement of interest. <laughs> That one, have children, descendants, or is it sterile, childless? If it's sterile, it stops right there. And that's an important thing. The customer asked for that. Via this, that, and he asked for design to requirement one. And what do we do? Nothing. Because the lower level requirements don't talk to that. That's terrible. I mean, how can you talk about quality? The customer asks for it, and we do nothing. Bad news. The issue really is, will design to requirement one, two, one, one, two, two, one, two, three, will they jointly fulfill the payment requirement there? That's three down. And just to talk about this a little bit more, we often think, that three down really means that if we have a requirement there, there exist sub-functions which jointly give you that. It's a matter of existence. But it's not really an existence relationship. It's a fulfillment relationship. And I just want to illustrate that. There is designed to requirement one, two, functional requirement. And there are the associated performance requirements. Those that are not familiar with that, the functional requirement is the aircraft shall fly. What the hell is an aircraft that doesn't fly? But how, what altitude, what speed, for how long, what safety, etc. And these then are the parameters which better define and completely define the function which is specified there. The total function is this plus all of those jointly. And now we get its children, one-to-one, one-to-two, and they have their own performance requirements, of course. And really what three-down traceability means is more than just the existence of those functional requirements. Example, there is performance requirement 12C. What we want to know is... Does this one and that one and that one jointly give you that performance requirement? For instance, that could be a mass constraint, and there would be the mass of the first component, second component, third component, plus, of course, some other, uh, uh, what do you call it? Budget, um, a little bit of fat.
That's one example. Here's another example. There's a tracking, uh, radar tracking something, and there's the requirement there, and of course there, there, there. We need the same thing. In this case, it's not a simple budget. It is a Goodwin Square edition. The more interesting one is where that top one is in fact an emergent requirement. It is created not by this one <coughs> and that one and that one, but primarily by the interaction between them. Uh, this, of course, also then needs to be checked out. So the issue is traceability is not an existence relationship, it's a fulfillment relationship. That makes it difficult, but I think that's the right way to think about it. Then our old friends is it something I say? It's getting more worried, that's fine. Less for you. <laughs> okay. Validation and verification. Here are the definitions. Again, software taught us this. Confirm by providing objective evidence that user requirements have been fulfilled. And then it's, it's, it's made. Verification, confirm by providing objective evidence that specify the requirements that have been fulfilled. The only difference between these two are user requirements, specified requirements. Does it make sense to distinguish this? And dodgy. the key thing is that, <coughs> excuse me, it's one thing to check or, 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 or confirm that a specified requirement has been met. You do that in industry. But when you talk about user requirements, you're talking about market shares and price points and, you know, stuff like that and wars that you need to, 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 to create so that you can test your weapons. And it gets much more difficult. And for that reason, it's probably useful to distinguish that. Although the techniques that you use are essentially the same. There are two problems with these definitions. First of all, it talks about objective evidence. What's objective? If you read the dictionary, it's the, it, is the, it is the opposite of subjective. And subjective says it's based on intuition, emotions, feelings, that type of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you were to confirm, <laughs> so we don't want any subjectivity in, the, in this confirmation. That's true but it's an impossibly high achievement to make. For example, we do a test, we get a value. First question is, the calibration data of that instrument we used, is that still in line? Does that confirm that what we measured really would be against the standard? Secondly, we've got a value. What about the measurement <coughs> uncertainty around there? How many standard deviations do we take? And, and, and how do we determine that? And there turns out to be quite some subjectivity or judgment involved in making that kind of decision. So I would say we should aim for objective, but we're probably not going to get away with it. 
The second problem with this is it talks about past tense, have been fulfilled, have been fulfilled. That is essentially means we need the finished product, the system, to determine that we've actually fulfilled this. And that's dangerous bullshit. We can't wait until we've got a system to find out whether this will actually satisfy the customer. We need that much, 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 much earlier on. Else, it's pointless. So, better definitions are these ones. Validate, confer by providing as objective, as reasonably practicable evidence that user requirements will be or have been past days fulfilled. As objective, as reasonably practical, that is standard terminology if you talk about safety management and that kind of stuff. And I think we need to introduce it here as well. Verification is then essentially the same thing, except against specified requirements. As objective, as reasonably practical, will be in future, have been in the past, to explicitly show that. Each time somebody interrupts me, I'm just about ready to start showing the joke. <laughs> but I'll continue. <laughs> yes, sir, go for it. Please. As objective, as reasonably practical. We say that because we accept there will be some subjectivity in the final analysis. It's never completely open and shut. That's at least if you talk about nuclear safety people or normal safety, that's the terminology they use, as low as reasonably practical, a LARA. You know, that kind of stuff. So that's the point I'm trying to make. Yes, there is objectivity. Once again, in the laboratory, man, and here you can see this guy. It's dirty there, man, but they make all those mooty little horse flies there in the focus on the bench. And here is this guy. He says, at last I've got it, Sydney. My formula for instant height. Do you realize what this means to me? He says, yes, doctor. Me, I always want to be for the top. He's exactly about three feet long. So he needs it. And he says, all my life I've been a little man. Now, with one dram of this formula, I can be eight feet tall, instantly. Hell, man, he's, ex he's excited. So he says, but don't you think you might be a terrible shock on your system, doctor? Perhaps you should drink only half of it at a time. Because else, you know, something might go wrong. And the guy says, you know, I think you're right, Sidney. I'll only drink half of it. Man, and Sidney is pleased with himself. But this wonderful doctor listens to him, his opinion. And... Takes a sip. <laughs> That's why we need validation and verification again. <laughs> Just some points about uh, validation verification. The originating document that defines this is ISO 9000. The 2000 version, the year 2000 version, started having validation verification in it. And it has some notes to the definition. Those are not binding, but they're explanatory to the definition. And they say the objective evidence needed for the validation 
is the result of a test, nice hard test, or other form of determination, such as performing alternative calculations or reviewing documents. So it's nice it leaves you test, which is a nice hard result, but it also tells you you can use analysis, which is practical. And for verification, it says the same thing. The objective evidence needed is the result of the same thing. That's what ISO 9000 does. Now we look at the systems engineering uh, standard, ISO 15288. It says, also notes to the same definition, exactly the same definition, it says, Validation is the set of activities ensuring and gaining confidence that a system is able to accomplish its intended use, goals, and objectives, which take all the requirements, in the intended operational environment. The right system was built. And with verification, it says, verification is a set of activities that compares a system or system element against its requirements. The system was built right. What's the problem with these notes? <clears throat> they talk about a system. There are thousands of requirements and characteristics in the system. You can't verify a system. You do verification one requirement at a time. One after the other. And when you've done all of that, even then it's not useful to talk about Verifying the system. They talk about a system. The right system was built. The system was built right. And the resolution of a single requirement is lost. And if you read the literature, what, what the systems engineers say about this, you see the same thing. Problem. So the first question is, if we look at those definitions, obtain objective evidence, obtain as objective, as reasonably practical, Evidence. Where do we get that evidence from? From which artifacts, which specifications or requirements or equipment do we get that from? And here you can see there's our original business mission stakeholder requirement, the system functional requirement, and there we have the design to requirements at the next lower level, and we have the one below that. Our requirement of interest remains that design to requirement 12. If you're a requirement of interest, you know that somebody is in trouble. It's like when the police say that you're a person of interest. And uh, I can't, that's, uh, that's not that. Anyway, that's the requirement of interest. What do we do? And there are really only two, three possibilities where we can get the evidence from. The first one is from the requirement itself. And there's lots of papers and stuff being written about why don't we read the, the requirement and if it sounds good, validate it. But that's of course bullshit. <laughs> because what they're saying is, does this requirement fulfill the requirements for a requirement? Is it verifiable? Is it singular? Is it clear? Is it unambiguous? All those good rules. If it's not that, it ain't the requirement. You can't even try to verify it. What are we talking about? So that's not very useful. The second alternative is, why don't we look at the next higher assembly requirement, designed to be the parent requirement, if you wish. So if 
design to requirement 12 is satisfied, then design to requirement 1 will also be satisfied and we verify that one. Meaningful? We get a problem of emergency here. That requirement is determined by all four of those and their interaction. If that's the case, you can't just verify that one. You've got to take this 11 and 12 and 30 and 40 and hope you get the right interactions. And if that satisfies the design to requirement one, then 12 will be verified. But it's at the same time as all the other ones at that level. You can't verify one requirement at a time. Doesn't sound very lack. Doesn't sound very lack. The better alternative is number three, where we say the thing we get our evidence from is the next lower assembly functional requirement. In other words, if this design to requirement is satisfied and that one and that one, then 12 is also satisfied. That's what we mean with verifying design to requirement 12. Why is this the better one? For a very simple reason. We start with that original business requirement and we focus on it and we develop the system requirement. Then we check. Have we validated that and we move our focus to the system requirement? And we move our focus to the next lower assembly. And on an ongoing basis, as we go through the meet, we need to focus or rather change our focus we end up with the characteristic. And that's exactly what you do here. When design to requirement 12 has been verified, fine, now we continue on this, and we continue our focus down the line. So that is by far the, you know, the, the, the logical uh, uh, interpretation of verification. If the requirement of interest will be satisfied when its successor downstream or downstairs requirements are fulfilled, then that requirement of interest will be declared verified. It is the successor requirements that we investigate and get evidence from to determine whether the requirement of interest has been verified. Not the next higher assembly and not the requirement itself, that's nonsense. So how do we get evidence from those artifacts? Well, there's four standard methods, I'm sure you all know them, analysis, inspection, demonstration, test. Analysis is fancy calculations, mathematical equations, statistical stuff, simulation, stimulation. Inspection is like go, no-go gauge, <coughs> perhaps uh, checking the dimensions, it's fairly straightforward. Demonstration is like a test, except you just exercise this in its intended operating environment and you see, does it work properly or not? Test is different from a demonstration because there's instrumentation involved with it. Instrumentation, which allows you to capture the information and then process it later and come up with a proper answer. Standard verification activities very little new about that. The assumption is, is not the assumption, test, demonstration, inspection can only be done on a characteristic. You can't do that on a requirement 
Dus een requirement doesn't exist. It's to be. It's on an as-is. Whereas analysis, of course, is much more abstract, and we don't need characteristic format. So, let's talk about how we do this. There's the, our old friend, the business, mission, or stakeholder requirements, and we go to the system requirement, design to requirement one. Before we go much further, <coughs> I want to check if the system requirement were to be fulfilled, will we satisfy the stakeholders? So, validation method number one. We'll validate that to confirm that this is okay. Wonderful. And then we go through our next step. We go through our design and we come up with all the next lower assembly functional requirements. Before I go much further, I want to verify that these satisfy that one. Many over here to one. Verification method number two. And when, whilst I do that uh, at the same time, why don't I somewhere also check, do we validate, do we satisfy the stakeholder requirement as well? That is the second instance of validation. And then we go down further, as described, and before I go much further, I want to take those three and verify that against that one. That's the example we had a minute ago. Verification method number four. And whilst I do that, don't forget, I may as well at the same time check do I satisfy the stakeholder requirements. It costs nothing extra. This picture gets very busy. I could also draw a, a verification to that one as well. But you can imagine that one. The picture gets extremely busy. And what we see there is verification or validation through analysis. We've got no characteristics, we can build nothing, it's all based on theories and stuff like that. It's the best we can do. But actually, I mean, just the mere fact of having a set of requirements that traces to a high-level requirement cannot be justification that you will fulfill that island. No, 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 no. You no. can basically think of anything. It needs to make logical sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Based on some moral. So essentially, all of those are model-based. In other words, you have a design model, for example, how you get, get from 12 to those. It's a design equation. I use the same equation, preferably an alternative equation, to say, do you get back to the same point you started off with? <coughs> That's essentially what uh, validation, verification, through analysis would be. So the moral is very important. Without it, you can't do it. I didn't use the word model earlier on when I spoke about the fulfillment as opposed to existence, but that's the key to it. So, so in very, very many instances, you could say verification validation through analysis of the design. Yeah, that's all you've got to do for it. You've got to discuss analysis requirements. It's the best you can do. Sometimes are better than nothing. Yes, sir. Uh, how do you know that your requirements are complete using that approach? For example, uh, it could be that there is a design requirement R15, mm. which is not written. Yeah. Someone didn't think about it. Yeah. Um, but it's lacking in the system, and that will actually break it. Sure. And with that approach, that's what five does. 
Look, I started with one business mission or stakeholder requirement. There should be many. Your question is, how do you know it's complete? And there's actually no proof that, that it is complete. Through experience, through ongoing discussions with stakeholders, through requirements reviews based on you know on, on, on what will become the user requirement, hopefully you can catch that out. But at the end of the day, you just don't know. There is no you you can't prove that you're complete. I'd like to, but we're not there yet. Yeah, I think that's more or less what I was going to say as well. I say, what you said correctly, the whole thing is based on a model. Absolutely. And if the model is not complete, this thing doesn't necessarily, it won't work in the real environment if you didn't model the real environment sufficiently. So we need models and we need to calibrate or actually qualify those models against real life tests before we can say, hey, this is a useful model. If it's not a qualified model, it's not. Doesn't that say, um, or talk to the importance of actually building early demonstrators and things that you can go and test in the real environment? Absolutely. To check that your models are right. Absolutely. Before you go through this thing, exhaustively. Yeah, that leads us to the maturity of the technology that we use in this down leg of the beam. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, of course, the, the key there is, you know, technology demonstrators and trying it out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I was I was going to add is I guess it's not just completeness, it's more maturity that's that's the Yeah, well the uh, each question was maturity level completeness, but technology absolutely the maturity level of the model. You know, are you well, at maturity level six versus five when you when you're doing the things mm-hmm. plays a big role. Yep. There was another yes. No job man. Uh, you <laughs> can't <laughs> ask questions here. <laughs> Have you paid you can make statements? <laughs> <laughs> If a business space mission space stakeholder requirement only evolved into one requirement. So this is a very simplified diagram. It's a three to R1 through a hundred. In other words, what I'm trying to say is I'm getting a bit confused between what you're calling requirement and actually functional or subsystem space. Because if DTR1 is so complex that it devolves down to DTR12, which itself devolves down to another whole spillage, then arguably DTR1 is actually a sub, is actually a, um, a specification. <coughs> Any function, you can break up into sub-functions. But you still need to start at the top function because that's what the yeah. system is telling, yeah. that's what you want to check against. But you can't How, validate, but I, I, I can't validate your business slash mission slash state <laughs> as you put it there, only on the basis of DTR1. No, 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 no. It's one too many. No, 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 I'm just saying it to educate myself. Yeah, no, it's one too many. It's one too many. Okay, it's just that the picture uh, you see just like how busy that gets. Yeah, of course. I've shown the thread through the tree. Yeah. I have to say that to sound important. You are very important, Jones. <laughs> you always have been. Yeah, yes, yes. You've come a long way. Once you've been here, you've come a long way.
<laughs> but it's a perfectly valid point. I have just shown a single thread through there. Uh, these could become an aspect, plus lots of many others. The point is a spec consists of many requirements. That's not the resolution we need to be able to you know, talk through this stuff. So now we're going to development. And we develop the build to requirements. And I think this is a one to many as well. One single lowest level functional requirements, you have a few uh, physical ones, you jointly make them. I think that's true, I may be wrong. Before I go much further, I want to verify if you have those three built requirements, does that satisfy the design requirement? What do we normally call that, Mr. Ritchie, sir? Your product. No. It's known as qualification testing. Because it's the end of development. And we continue. And we now get, we have developed the, the, the integration and assembly, and we get built. So we take this one, build to that, sorry, build to, build to, build to equivalents, and we integrate and assemble them, we get built to one, two. Question. If that were satisfied, do we get that functional requirement one, two? And we go one level up to the system, we get the build to for the system, and the question is, if we get that build to requirement for the system, do we get functional requirement for the system? And whilst we do that, we may as well say, but what about validation against the, against the uh, user's requirements? So that is the bottom and the up leg, if you wish, verification, validation through qualification inspection or qualification demonstration or qualification test. These are built to. What's the model you get of a built to? An as-built characteristic. It's stupid not to. But you can't do that with the down leg. So here, of course, we build tangible models. Real operators, real uh, uh, operating instructions, and real pieces of hardware. And then we go into manufacturing. Now we get the characteristics. Well, now I'm into production. And there I've got those three characteristics. Question, do they satisfy their build requirement? Verification number 10. What do we call that, John Ritchie? Said I That's known as an acceptance test. So that's acceptance testing of a manufactured product. And we continue whilst we do that. Yes, it satisfies the bill, does it satisfy the functional requirements? Another acceptance test, somewhere at the same time. And we integrate and assemble that, and we get an, another verification there. And whilst we do it, not only against the build to, but also against its design to our original requirement of interest. And we go a level up, and there we have another verification and another validation. And verification or validation through acceptance inspection, acceptance demonstration, or acceptance test. And again, it would be silly 
to use some other abstract model there. We've got the real thing that's a model of our build to requirements, which is a model of our design to requirements. And there you see it's a pretty busy picture. Some arrows I haven't drawn in. Uh, there are a few more, but uh, it shows one thing. Validation, verification is a process. It's not an event. It's a process throughout, in this case, the acquisition project. As we go into the utilization stage, we will continue to do that. Before mission, you might want to check it out. An item failed, we repair it. Post-repair, acceptance test. So, verification, validation is a life cycle activity. It's intense there, it remains intense later as well. Any questions? Okay. No, let's not do that. No, man, three. Sorry. So now we go through all of this. <laughs> Sorry about this. Next on the flower Good. So we have a characteristic of interest. We want to determine is it conforming? Is it a conformity? What does that mean? Does it satisfy the requirement it's supposed to satisfy? To, 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 to fulfill. So, there's the requirement it's supposed to fulfill, and what we do is we do conformity determination. We take a downstream requirement of interest, and we check does it fulfill an upstream requirement. And that's the important point, conformity determination of a character. Does the characteristic of interest fulfill its upstream requirement. Conformity determination. That's what the quality control people the whole, do the whole time. But that's not verification validation. There's the requirement of interest. I want to know, can we, is, can we declare this verified? I then need to construct or a downstream characteristic and I then do verification. And I verify not this one, die in by looking, by obtaining evidence from a downstream characteristic. Will the downstream characteristics, if there's more than one, jointly fulfill the requirement of interest? There's a lot of confusion. Are we talking about verification? Are we talking about conformity determination? They look very similar. The one says, Look upstream, do we satisfy that? The other one says, look downstream, does that satisfy this? Completely different. Confusing, but that's where we are. There's a lot of confusion in the literature as well. Once a characteristic has been determined to be conforming, the associated requirement has also been verified. It works that way, but not the other way around. May I close up with this one? Hmm. There's our friend, man, you've seen before, the golfer. And he's standing there, he's going to drive this golf ball of his. And there's his caddy watching him, and the guy, 
lifts his his uh, his, his and <laughs> he hits that guy through the face, man, and sweet there go his dentures. Terrible. And look at his hat, man. He gets the fright of his life. He can't stop though. He must, you know, go through his swing. And top, he hits the ball and shwing, there it goes. But he noticed that something at the up, the higher part of that swing interfered with his golf stick. And look at what happened. <laughs> <laughs> There's a mid air intercept. And plaque, flop, clatter, there it falls on the greens. Man, and here you can see the the golfer and his carrier walking up to home and aligned the greens and they chatted. And there's the check guy tournament. Check the stones, check guy tournament. And now you watch that, that, that caddy's mouth. He's got no denture, so he's got this puckered mouth, as you can see there. And there's the golfer, he stands ready to tuck that, that ball. And this Caddy is now in, in, in two minds. Should he stand up close or should he stand safely back? If he stands safely back, the golfer will think that the caddy thinks he can't play golf properly. What should he do? But before much happens, somebody else comes walking up. Check like Turner. <laughs> he says, hold it. He says, that's my ball you're playing. I can tell by the trademark. He says, that must be yours there, in the sand plant. <laughs> and see this, this guy also has a pucker <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, are there any questions? Questions? Just from interdependency. So we put this whole process very nicely worked out up to the... Smallest little element that we will verify and test up to to meet the requirement. But now I've developed this little widget that works perfectly on its own. Mm -hmm. But it has to go into a container that can possibly overheat it. Yeah. Which is a different process that's tested in a different way. So, but on the lowest level, these two have to work together. Oh, but they're actually two different processes. So how do, you, how do you actually depict that in a system process like that? Okay. Test and inspection are always in its intended operating environment. So that's the ambient temperature where whatever it is, it should be tested in that temperature, in you know, some other test chamber. So that will look after that. During the analysis part, again, you need to design for that, and then also through analysis, verify that. Yeah, just simulate it. But hang on, you can't simulate the equation. But you can once you get a characteristic. The real problem you're touching upon is the interaction between elements. Now, how on earth can we design for that? How on earth do we test that? And that gets very difficult. But the, 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 inter, the interaction between elements creates the synergy, which creates really the properties we're looking after in the system, the energy stuff. How do you test for how do you design for that? I'm not sure. That's clearly the design that you need to do there. How do you test that? Well, once you've, once you've got the characteristics, you can integrate them and hopefully experience them. So I don't think it's the operating environment that's the real problem. It's that magic interaction. Because that's the essence of systems engineering. That's where the magic 
happens first? Absolutely. Absolutely. Good question. In this story, <laughs> you have to your membership. Exploring that scenario a bit, just yeah. thinking through. Well, the first thing is you don't verify the characteristics. You only verify the client. That's the first question. Let's come to the first question. No, there are two things. There's conformity determination. Does this conform to its step? You get it as you touch it. Boy, this guy with it. Yeah, it's all right. Those are as built characters. Does it satisfy its step? That's what the quality control inspector should do. And that's known as conformity determination. Determine whether this conforms. And again, the resolution is the single characteristic of the whole check. So that's one thing. We've been talking about verifying requirements, also a single requirement. Are those the same thing or not? And there's a lot of confusion in that. The systems engineering literature doesn't really recognize characteristics as being different of requirements if you can read you know, what is written there. There's a fundamental difference. Uh, and the difference, as I'm suggesting there, is there's the requirement you want to verify. Does the downstream either requirement or characteristic, if that is satisfied, is this one fulfilled? Then this one is verified. That's, ver that's verification or validation. 